Good morning again, everybody. Today we'll be looking at the story of Ruth and Boaz. Last week we looked at Samson, a person with great, great gifts and talents, but no character, right? Um, God had blessed him with all kinds of ability, and he didn't uh, use it at all, really, for God or his glory. And today we're going to look at two people who are, who are ordinary, who are normal by every definition, yet who have great character. They're the opposite, of, I think they're the opposite of, of Samson, the example that, that he set. So I want to jump in. We're going to really actually cover pretty much the entire book of Ruth today. So we're going to go fairly quickly. So just prepare yourself for that. What's happened is there is a severe famine in the land of Israel that forces a woman named Naomi, her husband, and her two sons to leave their home in Bethlehem, and they go to the land of Moab. The land of Moab was just to the east of the land of Israel. And so they flee because of a famine. And while they're in the land of Moab, their two sons find local girls to marry. Their names are Orpah and Ruth. While they're there, the husband, Naomi's husband, and her two sons both die. And so it's left with Naomi and these, these two girls, her, her daughter-in-laws. So Naomi tells them, why don't you go back to your homes, to your family, and live with them and, and, and get remarried to somebody else, and I'm going to go back to, to my people, to where I have a chance to be taken care of. And we pick the story up in this book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16. And this is what, what is said. Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Thank you. Thank you. That's the line. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So Orpah goes home to be with her family, which makes sense. And Ruth says, there's no way I can leave you, Naomi. Like, who's going to take care of you? How are you going to prove Remember, this is the ancient world. Women didn't work jobs. They could not provide for themselves, right? This is Old Testament times. So they depended on, upon some type of man to hold property, to, to have every one of their, their needs met. And so Ruth knows that they're in trouble, right? She goes back home. There's a, there's a severe famine there. But she has to go back home because no one else will take care of her in this strange land, right, Moab. And she knows she's in a pickle. And so we see from the beginning that Ruth, one, is loyal. She's faithful. She says, no, just because the situation's gotten bad, just because things have gone south, I'm not just going to desert you. I'm not just going to leave. So you're already seeing from the get-go a person who has it, right, who has character, who has what we saw last week in Samson when he did not have. Samson did not have character, right? If you weren't here last week and you're Samson's your favorite character, don't listen to the sermon online. It, you'll, you won't like me. But he didn't. He didn't have character. He didn't have what it takes. We see from already, from the very beginning of the book of Ruth, that Ruth, she's got something special, right? She has what I, I think is, is character. The story continues in chapter 2. So they return home, right? They go back to the land of Israel. And there they run into one of Naomi's relatives named Boaz. And you're going to see that we, this story is about a bunch of people who have character. 
So this is what happens in Ruth chapter 2. It says, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about you, what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz has heard about Ruth and what she's done, right? As if Ruth is a, is a foreigner. She's not an Israelite. And so she expects harsh treatment from everybody, which she should expect. That's, that's typical in the ancient world. And what she receives from Boaz is Boaz says, hey, you glean my field. So what happens is, obviously, this is before John Deere was around. So when they farmed, they did it all by hand, right? Everything was done by hand. So what's happening is they're harvesting. They're harvesting Boaz's grain. And Boaz is a, a fairly wealthy man and, and a farmer. And he sees Ruth, and what would happen is, the Lord had said in the Old Testament, you don't go back and harvest twice. You leave whatever's standing for those who are without, right? And so Boaz is, is doing that. He says, hey, you follow right after these, and you, whatever you need, you take. And Boaz knows the plight of Naomi and Ruth, knows that there's a famine, knows they're going to have a hard time getting any type of food or nutrition. And so Boaz says, you stay here. Don't go to any other farmer's fields, because they might not take care of you like I will. I'll protect you. I'll make sure that nothing bad happens to you. What we see is a second person who shows us what? Shows us some character. He sees people who are down and out, who can't provide for themselves, and he helps provide for them. He makes sure that they have what they need. I don't know if you saw it in the story, but he says, hey, if you're thirsty, you go drink the water that my men have, have got, right? He goes above and beyond what he has to do to make sure that Ruth is taken care of and not just taken care of, but protected. He's showing us he's also a man with great character. The story continues in chapter 3. This is Naomi and Ruth talking to each other. Naomi says to, to Ruth, The Lord bless you, my daughter. He, re he replied, This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. This is Boaz speaking to Ruth, excuse me. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do this duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. What's happened is Ruth asked Boaz to redeem her. Now, I'm going to explain to you what this is. This is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Remember, women are in a very scary predicament when they lose their husband or any situation like that, right? And so God had put this in place to make sure that they would be cared for. This is what we read in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 6. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother, so his name will not be blotted out from Israel. 
I know for us living today, you're like, oh, that's like you think twice about marrying someone, right? Because if something happened, you had to marry the brother. You're like, oh, that's one. Well, this purpose of this law is to take care of the woman, right? It's not to make her marry someone. It's to say she's been being provided for, that he will take care of her. And not only that, he'll provide an heir to his dead brother. He'll continue on his name through this. So what we read it and go, whoa, that's, that's kind of backwards for us. Well, of course, for us, it's kind of backwards. But for them, it's, it's way forward, right? It's, it makes sure that she is protected no matter what. And so what this became known with amongst the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, was the kinsman redeemer. That's what this is known as. So what has happened is Ruth asked Boaz to be this man for her. He says, will you redeem me? Will you, will you marry me? Will you, will you care for me? And Boaz, because he has that character we've been talking about, tells her there's somebody who's closer. There's somebody who's actually related closer that should be your kinsman redeemer. So I can't just say yes to this. I have to check with him. See if he would like to be the one who does it. And if not, then certainly I will. And that's what we saw in this last section. So it should make a little more sense to you. We'll go back and read it again. It should make more sense to you once you know Deuteronomy 25. So she asks, Ruth asks Boaz to do this. And I'll read it to you again, just with, now that you know what the kinsman redeemer is. It says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. She's asking him to be that kinsman redeemer. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a, guard, I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. Again, another example of character. A Boaz not just saying, yeah, I'll do it. He says, no, there's, by the law, technically, there's someone who's closer, that we need to go through these channels. We need to do this the right way. Showing us, once again, character. Now that man decides he doesn't want to, realizes the, res- the financial responsibility of bringing, bringing Ruth into your family, because if you're bringing Ruth into the family, you're also going to be, caring for Naomi, because Ruth, as we saw earlier, is tied to Naomi, right? She's not going anywhere. Naomi's not going anywhere. And the kinsman redeemer, or the guardian redeemer, as they're wording it in this version of the NIV, also to take care of any financial situation that the that previous man, the deceased, had got himself into. So that could be buying back property, right? I mean, there's a whole, there's financial repercussions to doing this. And the other man says, no, I don't want to do that. So Boaz is able to be that guardian, that kinsman redeemer. And this is what we read in chapter 4. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he had made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. It's a beautiful story. For us, again, we don't operate this way. It's not how our culture operates, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to us at first, but what's happened, as you imagine, being poor Naomi, and you lose both your, hus- your, your husband and your two sons, and you live in this strange land, and, you, and there's a famine in your own land, right? And all that had happened to her. And she could have easily given up, given up. and if, if Ruth would have left her, she might have, right? She might have just given up. But Ruth stays by her side, and says, no, we, we can do this. And they suffer, and they go with little to eat, if anything to eat, probably for days on end. 
until they come across Boaz. Boaz is able to, to give them food, more than they need. If you read the whole story, I can't read it all to you. We'd be here for a while. Gives them more than they need. And here now, Boaz and Ruth marry. And when Boaz and Ruth marry, Naomi now has a security of knowing that Boaz will care for her into her old age. That everything is going to be okay. And those moments when we realize that everything's going to be okay, those are, those are pretty rewarding moments. Moments when it's going to be all right. And the women of the community are able to celebrate with Naomi, which is important for us to remember, that when people have great successes in life, we should be able to celebrate with them. Be the kind of people who aren't jealous, who aren't looking, who say, yes, I'm so happy that that's happened to you. And these women celebrate with Naomi. The story continues in chapter 4. And it gives us one of those things that most of us skip over if we're honest with ourselves when we read the Bible. You open the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke and all those names you probably go over really, really quickly. <clears throat> they're, they're actually fairly important. So what happens is now we get the genealogy. We get the story, right? And so this is what it says. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amandabadab, which that's a cool name, right? Ammonabadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of, of David. Find out that Boaz is the reason that David comes around. That's his tree. That's his family. But it doesn't end there. That genealogy that we skip in the beginning of Matthew fills in a few more spots for us when it comes to Boaz. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of, so of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And in Matthew, they're giving us the genealogy of who in the Gospel of Matthew? Jesus. Boaz doesn't just get to be related to King David. He gets to be related to the king of kings, Jesus. Now, I know that these genealogies can be extremely boring, but today I want to, I want to make you realize that they're not, they're not that boring. See, Salmon's the father of Boaz, and Boaz's mother is who? You know her. Joshua 2.1. And Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. And they stayed there. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was connecting the dots. Boaz, a man of deep, deep character. His mother was a prostitute. That's his family tree which make us stop and realize that our labels of people sometimes fail. That when we judge people based on their past, who they used to be, maybe we should stop. Because Rahab, whose job is a prostitute, has a son, and that son is overflowing with character. Remember, Samson, last week, had faithful parents. 
from every account of the Bible we read, they were, they were good parents. And he's an absolute disgrace. And Boaz, his mom, doesn't have a great career. Now remember, this is the ancient world. And to judge her, I think, would be, be wrong. Because how do you know that she wanted to be a prostitute? Because most women, even to this day, who are found in that field, don't desire to be that. Situations in life have, have led to it. Another lesson for us is your parents don't have to set your future. We don't know how Rahab was, if she wanted to be a prostitute or didn't. Probably she didn't. We know about her son, though. He has it. He has the stuff that we'd all like to have. And if he limited himself because of who his mother was, he would have never been the Boaz that we know in the book of Ruth. If you had good parents, you should thank God every day. If you didn't, don't let that stop you from being a person who has character. It's your choice. You make that choice. Your destiny is not and will never be defined by who your parents are or were. You make your destiny. And when you're faithful, you partner with God, that destiny is going to be far, far better. There's a saying, hockey is one of my favorite sports. I know most of you guys probably don't like hockey. There's a saying in hockey, will beats skill. That's the saying. The people who want it more will beat those who are more naturally gifted and talented. Will beats skill. Isn't that true in this story? Last week we saw somebody who had skill, Samson. He had natural ability, God-given talent. And we use that word often in sports, don't we? When you see somebody who's a Michael Jordan of their sport, you go, man, that person has God-given talent, God-given ability. Well, will will always beat skill. If you want something bad enough, you can beat somebody who's far more talented at it than you are. And in this story, we see that come to life. Boaz, Ruth, Naomi are all just regular people like you and me. They don't have a God-given strength, right? Samson had God-given strength from God. God gave him this gift. We have no, no clue of any, any special gift that God gave to Boaz, to Naomi, to Ruth. They have this great skill of character. They have the stuff. They have the will. And will will always beat skill. Always has and it always will. Samson had the skill, and he never used it. These people are just regular people like you and me, and they get to be a part of the tree of Jesus. Like this, Matthew is giving us Jesus' family tree, tracing back the Messiah's bloodline, and who's in it? A prostitute and her son. That's in the family tree of Jesus. Now, if you're going to paint a family tree of the Messiah, you would probably leave those least one of those names out, wouldn't you, if you're writing the story? The biblical writers don't believe that that needs to be done. They, they include Rahab in the story because she makes a son who is great. Now, see, character is always rewarded in the end. It might not be rewarded in the present. Often evil wins here on earth, doesn't it? People who do bad often prosper for a while. But this story shows us that character wins. If you keep pressing on, 
and keep doing your job and you keep being the person that God's called you to be, God takes notice. He sees it. And it does not go unrewarded. The story gives me great hope. I don't know about you, as just a regular person. Samson's story is hard to relate to. He's not a regular person. He has been given a gift. It's really hard when I paint him in the picture I did last week where he's not too great of a guy, and he's not. And here we have just ordinary people who are just living their lives like you and me and who made it in the book because of what they had here. They had it here. And Samson, we saw last week, didn't have it here, did he? Didn't have it. These people do. And that can't be stopped. So for you and me as as people of, of faith, people who are trying to be people of character, hopefully, be encouraged that God sees it. Just because you don't prosper always here and now doesn't mean God doesn't have a prospering plan for you in the future. So you and I are going to inherit a place that's far better than this one day, won't we? That's what faithfulness gets you. Get you a place far better than here. A place that John writes about in the book of Revelation, right? Where there's no more mourning, crying, or pain for the old order of things has gone away. And you and I get to hopefully meet Ruth and Boaz and Naomi there someday. Shake their hand and say, well done. Well done. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the testimony of these faithful people. People who, who took your call serious in their life. People who did things and tried to do the best they could to be people who were like you in their character. And Father, help us to be, be like them. To be people who, who do what's right simply because it's the right thing to do. Who honor you at every turn because you're worth honoring. Who are trying to be more like you and your son every day. Father, give us, give us your strength in doing it because we know it's not always easy. It can be extremely difficult to be people of character to try to do the right thing, God. We need your strength and your spirit to strengthen us in it and to encourage us and to pick us up when we're down. We know you will be there. You promised that you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us, that you are always there, whether we are on the mountain high or in the valley low. You'll be there. We thank you for your constant and continual presence, God. Father, help us to be faithful even when we don't see the results and the rewards right now here on earth, knowing that we are storing up treasure for ourselves where it matters most, and that's in heaven. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who makes all this possible, who is because of his bloodshed on the cross gives us the forgiveness of our sins and because the grave could not hold him, because the tomb was empty, we have the promise of life everlasting with you. We pray all this in his powerful and healing name and all God's people said.